Chris. I'm scared to ask what was just so funny. I'm, a, I'm especially scared to ask when I know you were talking to Karen. <laughs> Miss Karen wasted no time to give me a hard time when uh, we got to Sunday school this morning. All right, let's see if I still remember how to do this. Um, over the past several months, over the past month, you guys know, um, I was blessed with the opportunity to devote some time to personal study, to spend time in other churches, um, listening to other people preach, um, and hearing messages from other pastors. Um, I took the opportunity in the month of uh, July to really dive into some books. I, I like to read, but I am very easily distracted. Uh, those of you that know me, I have a, a, a condition. I was born with it. It's called nystagmus. Um, it's not super rare, but it means that my eyes never stop shaking back and forth. And so reading is not impossible for me, uh, obviously, because I've read to get my master's degree and all that, but it's not super easy. And so I have to really concentrate, and when uh, you're easily distracted by noise and whatnot, it makes it hard to read. But because I was on sabbatical, I was able to really focus in on reading some um, and got to read biographies, and I'm still currently reading some biographies from some great Christian leaders throughout the history of the church. And what I noticed is as I was going through the, you know, visiting other churches and, and, uh, and hearing uh, other pastors, a lot of them in our area, uh, we have good pastors in our area. Um, I am a, a strong believer that we do not compete with other churches. Um, and I got the chance to visit some of the other churches in our area and pastors that I respect and, and am friends with. And they're doing a great job. You know, the gospel is being preached, and that's, that's something that we should praise the Lord for. So got to hear from them and all that. But I started to notice certain themes kind of kept coming to the top, if you will. And whether I was reading a book or I was, uh, you know, reading maybe an article or going to visit another church or just even having conversations with family members or other people in, in our community or in, in other places. I got to go visit uh, my folks in Missouri and, and all that type of stuff. I started to notice certain conversations kind of came up regularly. And, and really, there were certain themes that kind of rose to the top. And even as I was in kind of my last Sunday at my last church, um, and, and taking notes during the sermon, there was just certain things that, that really had kind of become the, the themes of, of everywhere I went. And so what I want to do over the next several weeks in the month of August is just kind of show you what those were and just kind of what God was, was revealing to me or what he was kind of bringing to, to, to my attention during the last month and, and really getting into the scripture and what it says about those topics. And in my very in, the, in this week, in my very first kind of theme of the the month, I want to go all the way back to really that first week of sabbatical. And if you think for just a moment, uh, most of you, a lot of you know kind of the the pace in which my life and my family's life tends to go, and we're we're pretty busy. I imagine that is true of every family that have kids and, and kids that do stuff. And as you're working and, and doing all that stuff, your life can be pretty busy and pretty hectic, right? So if I look at, I was actually talking, we were talking um, this morning, you know, you look at, at June 
And if you've been one of the people that has been very busy and very involved in our church, especially in the month of June, you know that school lets out. We have like Memorial Day weekend. And then the first and then as soon as we get back from Memorial Day weekend and, and start getting stuff, what's the first thing we start doing, Brittany? VBS setup. And VBS setup every day. And I know some of you are in this room. We're here every day. We are here and, and bringing whatever thoughts have come into Brit- Brittany's creative mind into reality. And it's a scary place, Brittany's mind. And I've learned that Brittany's mind changes from Tuesday to Wednesday to Thursday. And so we were working. And my kids were here. And then after VBS set up, it was VBS. And all the stuff that goes with that and every night here. And then after VBS, that next week was Rodney's favorite week, which was camp. I owe you, brother. We had children's camp. And then after children's camp, we had youth camp. And then we go into sabbatical. That's a lot. In fact, that's, that's kind of one of those things. And, and, and I'm not saying this is unique to me because I know lots of people in this room. Brittany, I'm thinking right off the bat. Chris as well. Uh, Katie also. That is our June. And we go so fast and we do so much that we don't take a lot of time to stop and consider what we're doing, why we're doing it, and, and, just, and just what's all going on. And you throw in, you have a full-time job. You're, you're hunting for a teaching position. You've got all these other things going on. And you're just going. How many of you feel like there are times in your life where you're not, you're not even thinking about what you're doing or all the things you're trying to get done? You're just going. Everybody. We're busy people, aren't we? And retired people, you're probably still busy. You want to know how you had enough time to work when you have all these cool things you're doing in retirement. Amen? And then suddenly I get to July 1st and bang, all of it stops. I don't have to attend meetings. I'm not having to prepare a sermon. I don't have to record a Sunday school class. I don't have to call anybody. I don't have to visit anybody. I don't have to prepare for my young adult group on Thursday night. None of it. And suddenly, and you know, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, that was just a, that was normal. Sunday, that was a little weird. But then when I got into that week, and all of the things that had kept me so busy and kept me just flying, you know, from this place to that and from this meeting to that, and all of those things suddenly stopped, and it was me and my family. And I had this thing that I really had not had in a while called free time. And I, had to, and, and I needed to do something with that free time. And I had to think about it. And I suddenly found myself on really just a few days in asking myself a very weird question. And that question was, who am I? Because in so many ways, I have been so wrapped up in this office and this title and this persona that is pastor. Josh Luton, pastor, Tunnel Hill Baptist Church. It's on every email. It's on every letter. But what is, who is Josh Luton when suddenly, for at least a few weeks, he is no longer pastor? 
What about you? How do you identify yourself first? So-and-so, student, teacher, kindergarten teacher, preschool teacher, plumber, soap maker, mother, father, nurse, doctor. See, a lot of times when we think about who we are, we get kind of wrapped up in that identity. Soldier. And a lot of times that identity, it might be a job. I think for a lot of us it is. In fact, I think our culture today has gotten so obsessed with our work that we identify more by our job than we do just about anything else. I am a teacher. I am a pastor. I am a business owner. I am this. I am that. Sometimes it's it's kind of a family thing. I think most often we see this from mother. And our identity is wrapped up in that reality that we are a, that you, well, I'm not, but you are a mother. Maybe father also. Maybe you've come to that point in your life where the, the, because of, you, of the way things are, maybe the thing that you most identify as is grandparent. Sometimes it becomes kind of that thing that we are because of like our ethnicity or whatnot that we, we identify more as being an American a Kentuckian, a German, maybe if it's your heritage, a Puerto Rican. We have all these things that that we identify with, and, and there's more than that we could identify because of our religion, our sexual orientation, our political affiliation, our gender, and the list could go on and on and on. And if we look at the world around us, we see dozens and dozens, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that identify as certain things because of their job or their ethnicity, because of how they grew up or where they grew up or what they believe or what they do as a club. Everybody's got that thing. And the question has to become, if that is taken away, who are you? Because make no mistake, those things can be taken away. Your job can fire you. Or your business can go out of business. Mothers and fathers, you will always be a mother and father, but there comes a day when your responsibilities as a mother and father change, don't they? And I imagine whether you are a parent who is watching your kid drive and suddenly they can just leave the house and jump in a car and go to a job, and don't require you to do those, Lord, hasten the day. Or you watch them pack up their bags and you drive them to a dormitory and you see them go off to college. Or you see them stand before a pastor and make vows to another person and start their own family Your role as mother and father changes over time, doesn't it? And almost every single thing that we can identify as, we have to recognize the reality that those things can change. And those things can be taken away from us. And even for me, as I sat there in my first, really first couple of days, and I sat at my home desk and I'm, and I'm thinking about who I am. 
What does Josh Luton do? What does Josh Luton think? What is, how does Josh Luton spend his day when he is not a pastor for this time? Who am I as a pastor if I'm not pastoring? Who am I as a business owner whose business is not there? Who am I as a soldier who is no longer in service? And as I pondered these things really throughout the week, throughout the, the month, it was really it towards the very, very end that, that something hit me. And it was something as I was kind of beginning to think about evangelism and, and how to share my faith. And, and I was really hit upside the head with a passage. And that passage is found in 2 Corinthians. And we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today. Don't worry, I've not forgotten that I need to read the Bible during our sermons. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to there. And as before, so again, if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. The Word of God says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away, behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Please be seated. I think this passage does wonders to help us answer the question, who am I? In fact, not only does this passage do such a good job of answering the question of who am I, but really what this passage is telling us about who I am and therefore, and also who you are, that it should transcend even those other things. So often we find ourselves in identity crisis because we find our identity in things that are not from Scripture. And we find ourselves in these identity crises, and I want it to be kind of a wake-up call to you that that can even be true of something like pastor, worship leader, missionary. Even that can become something in our head that, soup, that, that goes beyond who Christ tells us we are. And so we have to take a step back and look at the Scriptures and who does the Bible say I am? Well, what's interesting is as we look at our passage today, we realize that it is not about what we are. It is not about what our job is or, 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 what our, or how we fill up our time or how we're affiliated with this group or that group or this family or this community. It is not about what we are, but rather who we belong to. Paul communicated this to the church in Corinth when he gave this conditional statement that it says, if anyone is in Christ. If you're taking notes, I want you to put, I am. 
And then the first, uh, and then the first thing under that I am, I want you to put, I am in Christ. But notice again that this is a conditional statement. We cannot just assume that everyone in this room is in Christ. He says, but if anyone is in Christ. Well, let's stop for a second right off the bat and ask the question that absolutely must be asked, which is, what does it mean to be in Christ? Because let me tell you what it's not. It is not sitting in this church building. It is not putting money in the plate on your way out the door. It is not being identified as a, as a Baptist, and it is not having your grandma who used to play piano at a church. That is not what it means to be in Christ. Now, praise be to God, our passage does tell us what it means to be in Christ. Verses, look at verse 18. It says, but God reconciled us to himself through Christ. Verse 19 says, but God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And verse 21 says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, which means to be in Christ. So what does this mean for us? What does it mean to be in Christ? It means if we look at our passage and we put that all together, it means to be reconciled to God by God, through Christ's death on the cross in our place. This is what it means to be in Christ. When you are in Christ, it means that you have submitted yourself to the authority of Christ in your life, that you have received the gift of salvation in Christ, and through that, God has reconciled you to himself, and you are now in right standing with God. This is what it means. And I want you to notice something here, going back to verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. So who is this gift? Who is this, this, this exchange offered to? Well, it's offered to anyone. If anyone is in Christ. If you're looking, if you're here today and you thought, well, dang, I thought that I had a right relationship with God because I'm such a good person. I thought that I was in a right relationship with God because I voted Republican. Dang, I thought I was in a right relationship with God because I went to VBS every year as a kid. Guess what? You're not. You are in Christ when you submit yourself to Christ, recognizing that it's only through Christ's death and resurrection that you have been made right with God. It is God who reconciles you to himself through Christ, not yourself. What you do doesn't make you right with God. Believing in His Son and what He did for you makes you right with God. It has to start there. See, because there's an alternative to this. And really, when you take off pastor, when you take off student, when you take off Luton, when you take off, uh, uh, I don't know, clarity board member, or I'm a Kiwana, or whatever it might be, when you take that off, the question that is going to make everything matter, make all the difference is, are you in Christ, or are you in your sin? Ephesians 2.5 says it this way, For even when we were dead in our transgressions, which is a word meaning sin, He made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. 
See, this is the, the difference I want you to understand. This is the first thing that you have to recognize. When I could no longer say, I am a pastor, I had to say, but am I in Christ or am I still in my sin? And that's a question you have to ask yourself today. And really, before we get anywhere else, you have to take that question seriously. Take away that you're a dad or a grandpa. Take away whatever your job is or whatever business you own. Take away that you're a dad or an American or a conservative or a liberal. Take away all of that. Stand before God. Are you in Christ? Or are you still in your sin? See, what's amazing about this past, see, the gospel is just all wrapped up in this. And, it, and it's really just an amazing thing that we can't think past. And, and, and really, 1 Corinthians 5.21 is, has just continues to be one of my, one of my favorite verses because it reminds us of how serious sin is. See, when we talk about being in sin, we are not talking about that like it's not a big deal. I mean, read verse 21 again. It says, he made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin, the sinlessly perfect Jesus, the 100% right, righteous Christ, the Messiah, he made him who knew no sin to be sin. Which means he took the sinless one and then put all the penalty of sin upon him. So that we who were sinful, who are rebellious, who go our own way and do our own thing, might have our sin and the penalty for our sin satisfied. And because our sin is satisfied, we might receive the righteousness of God. We absolutely need to rid ourselves of the idea that sin and specifically our sin is no big deal something that god can simply forget or overlook but our sin is what took jesus to the cross god takes sin seriously but praise be to jesus god takes grace and mercy seriously as well and this is what John meant in John, 1 John 2, 2, when he said that Jesus was the propitiation for our sin. See, Jesus was the payment for our sin. He was the one who satisfied our sin. He's the one who atoned for our sin. It's not us. And it's not our good deeds. And it's not our affiliations or our church membership. It is whether or not we are in And I would challenge you today, if you are not in Christ, let today be the day that you surrender yourself to Him. Let today be that day when you believe and you surrender your life to Him and you, you recognize that it is only through Christ and His death and His resurrection that you can be reconciled to God and surrender yourself to that. Because when you do that, that, see now the if you are in Christ, now we get to the rest of it. And you're thinking, oh, good Lord, he's just getting started. 
I've already been warned that I'm not supposed to preach four months or four weeks, five weeks worth of sermons in one day. I'm going to do my best. But the Bible says, if you are in Christ, then you are new. Let's finish verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And I was reading about this passage, and I thought something that was really interesting. I didn't put in my notes, but I've got to say it now because I just thought about it nonstop since. Is that in the original language, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. And I love that because there's part of me that just almost makes me think that it's like, bang, new creation. If you are in Christ, pow, you are a new creation. And that is something that is both immediate in the moment that you receive Christ and ongoing. It is something that you are automatically a new creation because you have passed from death to life, from sin to Christ. But it is also something that is ongoing and God continues to work in your life to make you more and more like him and less and less like the world. And that is an encouraging thing because as you're sitting there and you're going, who am I? And we say, well, if I am in Christ, I am a new creation. And if I am a new creation, that that means I'm different. Different than what I was before. Different than who I was before. Different than the world that is dying around me. See, the opposite of new, we often think, is old. But look again at Ephesians 2 that we read just a few minutes ago. Ephesians 2, 5 said that we were dead in our sins and transgressions. See, the opposite of new, according to the scriptures, is actually dead. Either you are in Christ and you are new or you are in your sin and you are dead. This is how much weight and how important this conversation that we are having today has to be there. Even Jesus in John 3.18 hints at this when he says, He who believes in him, Jesus, is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already. See, the implication there is you have already been judged, you have already been condemned, that you are already dead. You just don't realize it yet. If you are in Christ, then that old, dead, sinful self is gone And behold, you are something new. And to be a new creation is to break with the old. To break with your old sinful self in order to live in a new way. See, to be in Christ, I want you to keep getting this, to be in Christ is to be liberated from the control that sin has on your flesh and to be liberated from the sin that exists in this world that tries to control you. We are a new self subject to a new order and controlled by a new reality. We are now citizens of the kingdom of God. And that, I hope, excites you maybe just a little bit. Because when we look at the world today, and at the very least, regardless of your political affiliations or how you think about things or what you think about global warming, there's one thing we can say about the world today is it's messed up. And if it's messed up, and we are still in the world, dead in our sins, all those things, then that means, obviously, we're messed up. And make no mistake, if you are in this room today and you have not given your life to Christ, I hate to tell you this, you're messed up. I know you want a pastor to say, you're great. But you're messed up. But you want to know a little secret? 
look around the room. We're all messed up. We were all messed up because all of us have been touched by sins. All, all, sin. All of us are messed up people. But when we give our life to Christ, God begins to do a work of taking that which is messed up, broken, a mess, and he begins to start cleaning our mess. In one moment, in one sense, it's immediate. We go from being a mess, enslaved to, that, enslaved to the mess, enslaved to the sin, to suddenly liberated from it and beginning to make a change. It's for this reason that Peter said in 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. See, he, he spoke to that to them. They said, listen, as aliens and strangers, you are no longer a citizen of this world, but now you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And because you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, this world, you are just passing through. It is like me on my way to Colorado through Missouri. When I get to Kansas, I can praise the Lord. I'm just passing through. It is not my home. And this world is the same way for us, is that we live in this world and we, we exist in this world and we have a purpose in this world, but this is not our home. Because we are something new. We are something else. And with his statement to abstain from the fleshly lust that wage war is not something that we should do. It's not like, well, I know I need to do better, but nobody's perfect. What in the contrary, it is what suddenly we can do. See, before you were in Christ, you may not have done all the sins that you were capable of doing. But we were enslaved to sin. And when we were set free, suddenly we were empowered to resist sin and to fight sin in our life and to be more like Christ. To quite literally, as Scripture puts it, to crucify the flesh so that we might live in the Spirit. I think this is kind of best explained to us in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen when he says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And our God is faithful and he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able, but with temptation will provide a way of escape so that we might endure it. Are you going to be perfect? Absolutely not. But do you have a fighting chance if you're a new creation? Yes, you do. If you are in Christ, then you are new. And if you are new, then you are different from the world and you have been set free from it. This leads us to our last point. If we look at verse 20, we see these words, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Because we are in Christ, because we are a new creation, then we are called to be ambassadors for Him. See, this is where purpose comes from. What, who is the pastor when he's no longer a pastor? Who is the soldier when he's no longer soldiering? Who is the teacher when she's no longer being asked to teach? Who is the business owner when the business is no longer there? Who are we when we retire or our life changes or the world turns us upside down? And I want to give you the answer for that. If you are in Christ, you are new and you are an ambassador for him. This is where our purpose comes from. 
We often lose this because the other identities in our life try to take our purpose from us. And we make our purpose just teaching kids, just preaching a sermon, just working out a plan, just making soap or doing clerical work or whatever it might be. But the reality is you were created to be an ambassador and a witness for him. See, when we take those other things away, often what we feel is adrift. I would say the opposite of being an ambassador for Christ is to be adrift in this world. But you have a greater purpose. And that purpose goes beyond plumbing. It goes beyond lawn mowing. It goes beyond working in a hospital or working on Fort Knox. But you have a purpose because God has given us the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation. We have been called, to, called and commissioned to do what it says in verse 20, which is to cry out, be reconciled to God, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Luke 24 says it this way, starting in verse 46. It says, And Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things. I guess we could also say that we're a witness, aren't we? For if you are in Christ, then you become a partaker in His grace. And you've experienced His mercy and His love. And you know what it feels like to be alienated from God and then to be adopted by God. And because you are a witness of these things, we have an obligation to be an ambassador as well to go and to invite other people into the family of God. And yeah, we do that through our job and through our family and through where we live and through what other organizations we are associated with. But even if God takes all of those away, we still have a call to make him known. We may look at all these worldly things in which we find identity, but I want you to understand today that in a moment, God can take those away from you. I will never forget, as long as I'm alive, and this is where I learned this lesson the hardest. My dad had a job. He loved his job. And he had that job, and he planned on retiring to that job. He was close to retiring with that job. And one day, he got to work. He was not late. He was on time. Everything was, was copacetic. When he got to his job that day, his boss and his boss's boss were already there. And they said, hey, let's go up to your office. And he goes, okay. And they got up to his office and they shut the door and they looked at him and said, you're done, pack up your things. No reason, no warning, no problem, done. That happens a lot. And if all of our identity is found in those things, we can recognize that God can take them in an instant. But when our identity is in Christ, it doesn't matter what this world gives us and it doesn't matter what this world takes from us. We are, we are in Christ and we are a new creation and we are an ambassador for him. And that brings us back to the first question. Are you in Christ? Or are you still in your sin? 
Is it time for you to set aside all those worldly things and to surrender your life to Him? To believe that Jesus is who He said He is, that He died on the cross from your sin, for your sins, that He rose from the grave three days later and make Him the Lord of your life. With that, are you a new creation? You can only answer that one by answering the last one. And if you're in Christ, and if you are a new creation, are you an ambassador for Him? Let's pray. Our gracious God and King, we thank You so much for Your Word. God, in, in a day and age where our culture and our world screams so loud of who we are or who we should be or how we should identify, God, I pray that your I praise you that your word calls us through that and says, nah, you're mine. And I've made you new. And you don't you are no longer subject to the things of this world, but rather you are an ambassador to me to this world. That you have been called to set people free just like you have been set free. My God and my joy, I pray that if there is anyone in this room who has not surrendered their, life, their lives to Jesus, that they, uh, they are not in Christ, that they are still dead in their sins. God, I pray that today is the day that they give their life to you. And Lord, whether that's coming up and talking to me, or God, whether that's, that's, that's talking to the friend that they came with, or, or the family member, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that today they pray to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. But God, I also know that there are lots of people in this room who you have called and you have commissioned to be an ambassador for you, but they have gotten caught up in the things of this world and they have found, suddenly found their identity in something that is not what you intended for them. And God, maybe you called them to be an ambassador in their job or maybe you called them to be an ambassador with their family or called them to be an ambassador in this organization or that organization, but they've lost it in there. God, I pray that today is the day that they repent and that they begin anew, knowing that you have called them and that you will equip them and that you will be glorified in their submission to you. But God, whatever decisions we as a congregation need to make today, Lord, I pray that your spirit even now is moving in our hearts so that we might do them. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.